In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, hello and welcome in. Glad to have you on the Retirement Pathfinder today as we open up the mailbag and answer your questions that have come in to the show. As always, we encourage you to reach out. Pathfinderchat.com is the best place to start. It's time, as always, to welcome in Barbara and Phil. How are you both today? Oh, we're doing awesome, Ben. We're doing great. How about you, Ben? I am doing well. Good start to 2023. It seems like, well, at least for the most part, maybe some of the economic data is a little bit better, Not uh, definitely not out of the woods or a complete turnaround at all. But I'm always kind of curious to get your perspective on We Stand. So I know you have an update for us today. Yeah, I, I do, Ben. Uh, the information that I'm sharing comes to us from First Trust uh, out there in uh, Wheaton, Illinois, and um, one of the uh, one of the nice things about uh, the report today is that we are seeing some improvement in the economy. Believe it or not, I mean, if you listen to certain stations, they're still pretty much down because uh, they're looking at things from a political standpoint. But you know, let me give you a couple of statistics here. Um, U.S. mid cap value is up ten point three percent for the year, uh, and that's a value uh, area. Also, small cap U.S. value is up eleven point six three. What's really interesting is that if you go back over the last year, uh, the mid-cap value is up actually 5.26% over the last 12 months, and the small-cap value is up 3.34. So those are really, really very, very uh, encouraging numbers. Uh, those actually uh, have been surpassing the large-cap stocks. The Dow is up 2.33 versus the 10% for the small, and uh, the S&P 500 is up about 6.7, still down about 8% over the last 12 months. Uh, we'll probably see that pull around. But, you know, there's some reasons uh, why we believe that uh, markets are beginning to pull around. Uh, now, understand this, that, uh, you know, anything is possible. This might be a paper tiger. We don't know. Um, we've been told by uh, several uh, economists out here that, you know, we don't want to hold our breath too long on this. But, hey, we've seen a decrease in the money supply. The uh, Fed has really released uh, fewer dollars, the M2 supply. That means that banks are getting less money to lend. And so we're seeing a shrinking of the money supply, which is really good. That's that's part yeah. of the reason why we're seeing uh, an improvement in the market. Uh, we've seen some better job reports out here. Uh, you know, now it might not be the kind of jobs that we're looking for necessarily, but you know, the uh, unemployment rates are actually down for the year. Uh, the supply train uh, chain re uh, disruptions uh, seem to be smoothing out better. Uh, you can go to your local car dealer, uh, at least in the larger cities, and and pretty much pick up what you want. Might take a little time to get it in, but uh, but their supply chains are are starting to ease up a bit. The Fed has increased interest rates, which uh, you know has a chilling effect on the economy here, Barb. Um, but the effect is that we're going to see uh, less growth and less inflation. So the question is, are we in a recession right now? And I would uh, probably say no, we're not. Yeah. Uh, some people contend we are. Not we're not in a classical recession at this point, but the next question is, will we go into one? And a lot of people are saying we probably will if um, if we see markets pull back, uh, you know, if inflation continues on, if uh, we have uh, uh, pike, uh, spikes up on uh, uh, unemployment. Uh, but they're also contending that we'll have a soft landing, which means that won't really affect us as readily. So all in all, I would say things are looking more positive today than they did last year at this time. Yeah, good stuff, though. Yep. 
That's good to hear. Uh, any any positive news is welcomed. I know I'm sure everyone would yes, agree after absolutely. the last year plus. So <laughs> glad to hear that. Hopefully the trend continues over 2023 and into the new year once we get there. So again, if you have questions for us specifically about uh, the economy or your financial plan or any adjustments you need to make, start with path, pathfinderchat.com. Schedule a complimentary 15-minute call with Barbara and Phil. Again, pathfinderchat.com. All right, mailbag time on today's episode of the Retirement Pathfinder. And we got some good questions that came in to the show. Let's start off with Emily. She says, I'm 60 and I'm probably retiring in five to six years. Should I start converting as much of my IRA to Roth as I can? Yeah, I think this is an excellent question. And it's one that most of our listeners should really be asking themselves. But before we give a definitive answer, let's define what a Roth IRA actually is. The traditional IRA, which most people are familiar with, have been it's been around since 1974, but the Roth IRA, being named after Senator William Roth, who introduced the legislation, has only been around since 1997. Uh, it was kind of a sleeper. Very few people really understood the power of the Roth IRA at the time, but what it really is, it's a post-tax or after-tax contribution to what looks like a traditional IRA. Post-contributions mean that we use after-tax dollars. The idea is to pay taxes on the upfront money while you're in your working years. You can afford to pay the tax. The taxes may be lower than later on when you retire. Theoretically, the taxes being paid on contributions to a Roth should be lower now than in years to come. And I think if we ask our typical listener, do you think that the interest rates or the tax rates will remain the same or go up in years to come? What do you think they'll say, Barb? Uh, They're going to go up. Yeah. How about you, Ben? I'm going to agree with Barbara in that one. Yep. Yeah, I think they will too. Uh, there's only so many ways that you can cover the deficit, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the dollars once contributed uh, post-tax to Roth will accumulate tax-free and can be accessed without tax uh, on the gains or penalized once you've either achieved five years that the Roth has been in place or age 59 and a half. What are the advantages of a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k? Well, Accumulation within the Roth, of course, as we said, is tax-free, and there'll be no taxes due once distributions are made. Now, this is really powerful because uh, there's not going to be any required minimum distributions on the Roth or the Roth IRA 401k. Also, Roth distributions post-retirement will not uh, count toward income on your Social Security, and that's a real powerful yep. uh, element, too. Uh, you know, any other income that you have that's earned or interest income is is tacked on to Social Security payments, and that increases the tax on Social Security. Also, uh, there won't be any uh, increase to your Medicare Part B or D premiums. And those two advantages of not being taxed on your Social Security or your Medicare premiums are powerful. But here's something else that we have to do. We have to distinguish between the two types of Roths out there. The first Roth we commonly uh, call a contr contribution Roth. It's the kind of Roth that is uh, funded with uh, what we call earned income. So if you're in the work workplace, you can go ahead and put money into a Roth IRA. And its limits for 2023 are 6,500 or 7,500 if you uh, happen to be over age uh, 50. Uh, you can also open up a Roth IRA for a non-working spouse, uh, what we call a spousal Roth IRA. And uh, so together, if you're age 50 or older, you can actually contribute up to $15,000 this year to a Roth or to a Roth for husband and wife. So that's different from what we call a conversion Roth. Okay, so a conversion Roth is not to be confused with a contribution Roth. What is a conversion Roth? Well, this is another very powerful tool 
that allows the owner of a 401k plan or an IRA to convert that plan to Roth IRA. Of course, taxes would be due uh, you know, on that particular conversion. But once the money has been paid on the taxes, it goes into the IRA, it accumulates tax-free. And uh, you know, with the help of a skilled advisor, you can limit the amount of tax being paid uh, on these conversions because you do it incrementally every year. Mm-hmm. Okay, So you want to watch that very carefully. But the goal for our clients is that we convert all those accounts that are taxable to a tax-free retirement income stream for them. So here's a hint, Barb. You ready for this? Ready. Tax-free is always better than taxable. Oh, for sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> gotcha, I agree. <laughs> yeah. In addition, you know, if we were to ask parents, you know, would you rather leave an inheritance that's taxable to your children or non-taxable? What do you think they're going to say? They probably would like to leave it tax-free. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they wish to saddle their children with their tax bill, right? <laughs> their own tax bill, it makes sense to convert. So if you wish to learn how to convert your taxable accounts into tax-free retirement income, which is a smart thing to do, give us a call at 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com for a complimentary 15-minute conversation. Tax-free retirement rules. You're right. You know, one of the things I was thinking too, Phil, is it depends on her income, Emily's income. It she, does. She's yeah. working. I had a client this last year that uh, that we were looking at Roth conversions, but then he took on a contracting job that shot him into the next tax bracket. He had quite a bit of income from that, and he's retired, so we chose to not do that for the year. But I've got clients that don't want to do Roth conversions because they don't want the tax burden, and they say their kids can pay it. They're getting this account, they can pay Hey, it's a gift, right? It's a gift, yeah. Yeah, there you go. But it depends on the size of the IRA. If you can convert dollars that are lower tax today, expecting tax increases in the future, you're looking at your tax burden much to be much lower when you're required to take required distributions. Now at age 73, because you reduce the account value. And then, uh, of course, like you said, Phil, there's no required distributions on Roths. Hey there, just a quick break from the podcast for a moment to tell you how Barb and Phil are assisting clients every day in the office with some effective tax savings opportunities under the latest Secure Act 2.0 legislation. If you want to find out how much you could save, give them a call before the April 15th deadline and schedule a free 15-minute initial consultation. Call 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com and schedule your visit with just a few clicks. We'll also put the contact info in this episode's show notes. Now, back to the show. All right, here's a question from Michael. It says, I inherited some money from my mom when she passed away last year, and I just got a letter telling me that I have to withdraw some money from the account this year. What's that all about? I thought I didn't have to do that until I'm in my 70s. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your mom passing away, Michael. When you inherit money as a non-spouse beneficiary, if your mom died after her required beginning date, which is the date to start taking distributions, then you're required to do so every year up until the 10th year, and then the account needs to be zeroed out at that time. But your thoughts on the age 70 rule are close, and that applies to your IRA, not your mom's, but your IRA. If you have one or if a 401k, uh, any qualified or employer-sponsored plan that's tax-deferred, you are required to take your first distribution at age 73. The age 73 just passed with the Secure 2.0 Act, which passed at the end of December 2022 last year. If you've not yet begun taking required distributions from any of those accounts, you can now begin at age 73. That's good news if our listeners are currently converting some or all of your IRA to a Roth. 
Now you have up until age 73 to take those withdrawals from your IRA and turn those into a tax-free Roth IRA. So when you inherit, it's called a beneficiary IRA. When you inherit an IRA, you may be required to take distributions during that 10-year period, and you may not be required to take a distribution until the 10th year. So that's a lot. there's a lot of information on that that we won't get into in this podcast, but that's all the reason, all the more reason for you to give us a call. If we can help you with answers to your questions, feel free to reach out to us at pathfinderchat.com. Again, that's pathfinderchat.com. We're getting a lot of questions about this lately, Phil. We are. In fact, uh, we've seen probably a, just a slew of inherited IRAs that are coming in. Uh, parents uh, were dutifully, you know, uh, keeping money aside, putting money aside from their 401ks, their IRAs, and they're being passed along to the kids. And so, uh, you know, that wealthy generation, World War II generation, has passed that wealth along to the greatest generation. Well, from the greatest generation to the baby boomers, which would be us, yeah. right? Baby boomers. And uh, we are now the wealthiest generation in part due to their diligence and showing us how to save for the future. Yeah, very true. All right. Appreciate that question. Very good one, Michael. Thank you. Uh, how about another one from Jacob? Jacob says, I'm interested in buying a rental property from for some additional retirement income. Which of these options is better? Should I cash out investments and pay cash for the property? Should I take out a home equity loan to raise the cash? Or should I just have a mortgage on the rental property? Don't do it, Jacob. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, there's really no simple answer to uh, Jacob's question here. So let's deal with some of the underlying issues that will help Jacob decide about rental property or investing in what we call direct ownership of real estate property for cash flow. So my first question to Jacob is what kind of investments he is currently holding? Are they IRAs, 401ks? Does he have inherited money he's working with? And are there some reasons why he wishes to invest in directly owned property rather than stay where he is? You know, is he disappointed with returns in the market? Uh, does he not like the risk of stocks? I don't really know where he's at on that. We need to find out from Jacob. So direct investment in rental property to provide retirement cash flow sounds like a good idea. When I got involved with uh, with it personally over 25 years ago, I was following what we call the rich dad, poor dad strategies that were popular at that time. Yeah, I read you, that book. Yeah, you remember that? And they yeah. actually had a game called Rich Dad, yeah. Poor Dad yeah. that we used to play, you know, and, and it was uh, very informative. But uh, like anything else, there's pros and cons, and it's true with the real estate game as well. Here's some of the advantages. You know, if you directly control the real estate property, you can make all kinds of improvements and upgrades. You, you're the guy in charge. You're not waiting for somebody else to do it. You actually have direct input. You can control the tenants you rent to, whether they're commercial, residential, or industrial. And there's many tax advantages uh, through things like depreciation, write-offs, and capital gains. However, I and many of my other real estate investors have discovered that the devil is often in the details, right? Yep. So here are some of the challenges uh, beyond trying to scrap together enough money to buy that rental property. First, do you have the temperament to be a landlord? Uh, that is, you know, some of the most daunting uh, challenge that you'll you'll have, you know, having to chase down deadbeat tenants. People, can you believe that people don't pay their rents at times? Yeah, uh, <laughs> Not if not if you're a landlord. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got to chase them down sometimes, you know. Or how about people uh, that are abusing your property? How do you feel about that? Well, that's not going to set too well either. Uh, or how about property that's unoccupied? Right? 
you've got to be able to have some resources there to be able to tide you through. So what about uh, money that you set aside for minor or even major repairs? You know, I remember, Barb, when uh, one of my units had some water damage that was caused by uh, a unit, the neighbor unit right over next door. And um, their insurance company refused to pay for the damages. And I had to actually go to court to recover the loss. Not a fun time. Boy, that's something, isn't it, when they had the insurance? Yeah, they had the insurance. The insurance company refused to pay. And uh, so I had to go to court and uh, hire a lawyer and go through all the gyrations of the legal system to, and I only recaptured a part of it, by the way. So you have to be aware of the fact you won't always win. Yeah. So the biggest question, though, about investing directly in real estate is this. Does it make sense to tie up your capital for years at a time? And we're not just talking about your own money. We're talking about money that you have to pay back to the bank, you know, if you happen to borrow money. Real estate can be a very profitable venture, but never expect, expect it to be quick and easy, and a quick and easy way to riches as our rich dad, poor dad had once promoted, right? And it was it was all riches. It was all going to happen uh, as soon as you, you know, bought the system. Well, I would encourage Jacob or anybody else that's interested in investing in direct directly owned real estate to give us a call at 815-399-9806 or go online at pathfinderchat.com and schedule a 15-minute complimentary phone conversation with Barb or I and uh, do your due diligence up front as far as real estate. Yeah, and I would say too, you know, just from what we know of Jacob off the top of our head here, you know, don't cash out income-producing assets. Uh, I would say have a mortgage, let the renters pay that. Now, you may have to use a home equity loan for the down payment. Sure. Then they can pay for it. There's ways to be able to finance real estate. That's the easy part. Yes. Really, it is the easy part. You know, it's what happens after you you own the property that is the challenge. It's the headaches. You bet. You bet. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Yep. But I watch those TV shows, Phil, and they make it look like it's such <laughs> oh, a breeze, they? huh? Yeah, yeah. Property Brothers, right? <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, it's all over. <laughs> very, yeah. inter- very, very entertaining. But just remember that it is entertainment. Hey there, just a quick break from the podcast for a moment to tell you how Barb and Phil are assisting clients every day in the office with some effective tax savings opportunities under the latest Secure Act 2.0 legislation. If you want to find out how much you could save, give them a call before the April 15th deadline and schedule a free 15-minute initial consultation. Call 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com and schedule your visit with just a few clicks. We'll also put the contact info in this episode's show notes. Now, back to the show. Let's finish up with a question from Olivia. It says, my income will be different once I retire in a few months, so I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do about taxes. Should I be making estimated payments every quarter? How do I know how much I should be paying since I'll be in a different tax bracket than I've been in the past? Well, congratulations on retiring soon, Olivia. This is a good question to ask since you're near retirement. There's a number of questions. Uh, Are you married? Are you single? Do you have a social security benefit, a pension, 401k? We don't really know what your current income is or what your expenses are. Your expenses are uh, are what's going to drive your retirement income. And some are in the same tax bracket when they retire and some may be in a lower bracket. But Olivia, I can help you to simplify some of your thoughts about retirement income by taking things just a step at a time. The first thing to look at is your expenses. What are your expenses when you do retire? Then we can take a look at what income you'll have to meet those expenses, your social security, retirement account withdrawals, taxable accounts, 
And then we can help you decide on the most efficient method to produce the necessary income where you pay the least amount of taxes. Mm. So taxes isn't the first place to start. Your expenses in relation to your income is. So with all that said, you can have taxes withheld from your retirement income and Social Security and likely wouldn't have to pay quarterly taxes. But uh, we can give you a good estimate of your tax burden and how to meet that throughout the year. And uh, same process that we'll look at, too. Phil and I look at when it comes to helping people to decide if they want to do some Roth conversions. We look at tax returns every year, previous year tax returns. And then we can help them determine if a, a Roth conversion makes sense for any given year. We can do the same thing here. We can determine your tax burden, but likely uh, you really wouldn't need to make quarterly tax payments. Hope that helps. Yeah, I, I want to caution people about this, too. It used to be the old notion that you'd uh, get a whole bunch of money back at the end of the year once you filed your taxes as if they, you know, their Santa Claus giving you free money. Well, folks, that's your own money coming back to you at zero interest at the government uh, credits to your account. So be careful about overpaying in the estimate department. Sure. Yeah, fair question. And, and I'll echo Barbara's sentiments. Congratulations on retirement soon, Olivia. It's a great accomplishment. All right. We will close out on that note. If you have questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. You can always send them in to us. But if you want to sit down and actually take advantage of Barbara and Phil's free 15-minute consultation to kind of get started on the planning process and answer a few of your initial questions, just go to pathfinderchat.com. Again, pathfinderchat.com, the best place to begin. All right, we will close out the mailbag on that note. Barbara and Phil, I hope you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Have a great week, everyone. It's been fun. Bye-bye. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.